Painovich and Boscovich episode is it eight or seven? I think it's eight. I think it's eight. I think it's eight. All right, episode number eight. Uh, so that's about two months we've been doing this. Uh, we are nearing the end of February in uh, the year of our Lord 2024. Um, and we're going to talk about some interesting stuff. I wanted to talk a bit. We we we've been promising some of those tablet mag stories. Like, and oh, then yeah. I was even going to do I, some I of them on up on tedious. Good. And then we never got to them. So we were going to do it last weekend, last last weekend, last Tuesday, and we ended up talking about other stuff for like the whole time. I definitely want to start by talking about the Alexei Navalny story. And again, it's sort of funny because it's like, as I've been researching Navalny, I've been looking at stuff that like some Russia shills are saying and things like that, like the Duran or Brian Berletic or some of these other people who are kind of like Russia shill YouTubers. And they keep sort of prefacing comments about Navalny by saying, like, I'm embarrassed to be talking about this, <laughs> well, <I'll, laughs> which I I'll, find I'll funny. And I'm I'll, almost like I'll, feeling the same way where it's like, I know, it's, I know it, what they mean. Because yes. I, I, my, my litmus is basically if I don't really know much about something and the average person is now talking about somebody who was a, like, that they believe was a very important person in some other country, my assumption is like, well, that person actually probably doesn't matter. Because if the average yeah, person knows and, about and, them, then and they, so don't, they don't actually matter. The thing that's sort of funny is that it's like, it's not when you, it's like, it's like not so much Navalny. It's the phenomena of Navalny is sort of instructive and very interesting. And, and one of the reasons it's interesting is because it's actually really dumb. It's really stupid. Like, the Navalny thing is stupid. It's not fun. It's not interesting. It's not it, – it's, it's like, really fake. And it's fake in, like, a really stupid way. But it's interesting to me the amount that it's pushed. I find that crazy because yeah. I have now been counting the days since he died and the days that the top story, despite all kinds of other things going on nationally and internationally, domestically or whatever – it is still Navalny on my Google News feed. When I go to news.google uh, and I look at the top story, because they have like a, a thing with like two big stories and then two little stories and then further stories down as you go, right? And the top module with four stories, two, two big, one really big, that's all like usually big national, international news, right? And it's the top story. Consistent. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I guess, and like, I'm just you know, like, this doing, is what my Rajveer, like talking to yeah. talking to the wait, waitresses bits. Like, I have my I have my own errands mm-hmm. that I have to run every single day, and there's one, uh, one particular one where basically it's just generally older people who they they get they where they where they're at, they're gathered around talking about what either the TV's on or they're talking about what they saw. On yeah, the they repeat what's on TV news. to each other. Yeah. So so yeah. I now sometimes I I'll 
just kind of lay lay low. But sometimes I'll mix it up with them. They'll they'll ask me <laughs> what my yeah. opinion is because they 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 say like you have oh you have such a, a an interesting perspective because they they're expecting to hear like a like a standard liberal answer a standard conservative right answer, they're expecting to hear like something that fits into the argument yeah right yeah and so sometimes like I throw them for a loop with different uh, stuff and I stump them when they were asked about the Navalny thing and I said. Because uh, they were talking about how popular he was in Russia, like, if he, why is all, of it, why are all the protest signs in English? <laughs> they were, they, yeah, you could see them like think, stop and think, like it, it just, it, it wasn't like they were thunderstruck. It was just something that had never occurred to them. It was they just, they just legitimately didn't know what to say to that because it, nobody had ever posed a question like that to them. Right. Yeah, and it's just like it's also like. um it's sort of funny that they just believed that he was popular in uh, Russia. Like, they just believe it. It's like, yeah. Again, yeah, it's sort of like funny because it's the like thing, the everyone thing says they don't believe the media. Is, uh, oh, he, like, Putin was afraid of this guy. Putin was really afraid of this that guy. Is, they, they repeated that a number of times to me. That is not fucking true. <laughs> but again, you know, you can't blame him because that's what, that's what our media says. That's what the Jewish yeah. media says. And in fact, it's absurd. It's so absurd. And I didn't know much about him. And I thought maybe, like, that he was, like, again, I thought going, because I did, I, I'd sort of known, like, background, okay, this is somebody that they bitch about. Supposedly he's being abused. He's in jail, political prisoner, blah, blah, blah. But I thought there might be something actually to it. Now, granted, I thought maybe, obviously, he wouldn't be popular enough to overthrow the government or do damage to Putin. But I thought maybe he legitimately had some base of support in Russia and was known as, like, a liberal politician. None of that's even true. Like, he's he, he's a guy that made, like, videos. Like, he made yeah, social he, media videos. He never had an office. Is. He reminds me of that Venezuelan guy, Juan Giardia, Giar- Guado, whatever his name was. Like, of somebody who just, like, was suddenly, like, a, like had, like, it developed somewhat of a social media following and was like appointed as the leader of the opposition. Yeah, yeah. I would argue that the um, – even Juan Chardy was like more legit though, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know. I, I, again, I don't really know much about it, but it's it's very similar. But it's almost like um, – how to say this? It's like he, he was never a thing. Like it's not, it's not real. Like none of it is real. And even like now Russia does have an opposition. And it has an opposition that's not actually colluding with America. It has like a liberal opposition that's just – it's not popular. They don't win and they maybe get support of 15 to 20 percent of the population if that. And even those that would support – even that 15 to 20 percent of the population that would generally support a liberal opposition, that is split up against certain parties and personalities. I don't know very much about it admittedly, but I do know that there are – actual like russian liberals that hate navalny and don't yeah. collude with the west I, I i wonder how many of the like of the kasparov type people uh, are are among that because it, uh, the, what struck me or what like what i kind of felt was that i think the cast gary kasparov the the chess player mm-hmm. that he was he became like a big liberal opponent of putin more early on like they kind of shifted from kasparov to navalny in the western media yeah. of who they were of who they were going with uh at the very least like i mean like all this stuff is foreign influence but like, i think kasparov had more of like a an actual base yeah, like, and purely of, based of on being a famous chess player of course yeah. that use he was he was leveraging his celebrity to do that and of course gary kasparov would do that now was he jewish 
Yes, he's half Jewish. Okay, I, so he's I, Jewish. I, I, I yeah. thought so, right? A lot of Russian like Armenian. Chess- he's like he's like Armenian Jewish or something like that. He's like that's funny because kind of, the main. Yeah. What you want to know is funny about that is one of the more famous Jewish t- chess players now. Probably the best Jewish chess player playing now is also half Armenian. Levon Aroni yeah. is also half Armenian. Uh, he's half Jewish, half Armenian. Oh, okay. I was I was on point. Yeah, his father was Jewish, and uh, not and his mother was Armenian. They were from Nagorno Karabakh. So, oh, interesting. Huh. So I yeah. wonder, like, I wonder if he's got any. Well, he probably again half Jewish people. The Jewish side of that, no matter what the other side is, is so much stronger in terms of its influence on everything because of how absolutely ethnocentric Jews are that you have, they effectively just become Jews. They, he, he's from what's uh, Azerbaijan now, or I guess it always was Azerbaijan, but they left because of the anti-Armenian protests. Like when the ethnic, when the ethnic tension started flaring up, right? They, I mean, it's it's left. Azerbaijan now. It was not always. <laughs> In fact, it wasn't until like a year ago, or until very recently. Uh, and and uh, of course, the you know, we talked about this. Uh, Stryker and I analyzed this. The the issue of. Um, the current Armenian president being a complete idiot and oh, yeah. like trying to like in the midst of a territorial dispute with with Azerbaijan, which is an absolute proxy of of America and Israel, and is absolutely in, bo- in bed and on board with American Israel, and is doing all kinds of weapons deals with Israel. It has a very power. It has a small but influential Jewish community inside of Azerbaijan. It's one of the few Muslim countries that is completely and thoroughly pro Israel. And it actively volunteers itself as a counterweight to both Iran and Russia in the Caucasus region. And they are just gobbling up Armenian territory. And the Armenians, and who, who who are kind of like the eternally embarrassed members of like the Russian security pact, which is like their version of NATO. I forget what it's called. Um, you know what I'm talking about. It's like kind of a yeah. – not really the Warsaw – it's not the Warsaw Pact, but it's like – it's basically like some security treaty with Russia and, and countries around Russia. And Armenia was like entirely embarrassed member of this treaty and like wanted to join NATO and was like kissing up to America. And um, they were temporarily embarrassed NATO members. <laughs> no, they, they literally are like Armenia literally is like uh, a temp- temporarily embarrassed NATO members. And and the thing is, because there's so many Armenians in the West and in America, and they're they're relatively well off, like they're they actually do like the small business thing, and a lot of them are wealthy, and they have the Kardashians and stuff. What's also funny is that they legitimately thought Kim Kardashian like actually lobbied. And this sounds like a joke, but it's true. She lobbied on their behalf. No, she's the most well-known Turkish uh, member of the diaspora. That is, that is just objectively true. Kim Kardashian. She's the, is most, the well-known. most well-known member. Of the Armenian diaspora, you said Turkish. That's going to make some some of them pretty. Did I say Turkish? Oh, sorry, because I, I have well, I have well, because I have Turks on the brain. Because what I was going to say was like, I don't know what it is, but Turkic peoples and Jews are like peas and carrots. Like it just like because you you know the Turks, the the Azeris, the Uyghurs, like the um those East Turkmenistani people in China as well. Like they're all like always involved in Jewish gay ops. That's why like I had I said Turk because Turk was on the brain. Yeah, but Armenians even they're like temporarily embarrassed like members of that. Like they like they 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 even they, they it's funny like the Armenians are like, "Hey, can, is there a gay op we can get in on, please? Like what's yeah. going on? Like why can't we be included in any of these gay ops?" <laughs> <laughs> That's actually kind of funny. And they're like, "Hey, look. Well, and dude, their president basically they had a like a mini little war over over Nagorno Karabakh like a couple years ago, and then it flared up again. And and basically, their <laughs> president like, said, I, "I'm corrupt. I'm not as I'm not as clean as everyone says I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm smart. I can do gay ops. I'm smart." 
I can support Israel. I can, yeah. But um, they, uh, yeah, they, 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 he basically, as part of his signal, like as part of Pasignan, like the Armenian president, I don't know if he still is now, part of his signal to the West, like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll play ball. He basically gave it up. He gave up Nagorno-Karabakh. And they had no uh, choice. They were getting they were getting brutalized by. Well, they had a choice. They didn't want to take that choice. The choice was to allow because because remember there were I don't know if you remember or not, but Pashinyan if you knew, is still the is still the prime. Minister. Yeah, there were Russian peacekeepers. Yeah, they're still there. They're still there too. Right, and the Russians actually seemed like more dedicated to uh, uh, protecting that than the Armenians. And then um, the Iranians also. So, again, it's like Armenia. It's like, you know, you could – but they're like, no, nah, like, that's just gauche. That's, just, like, pleb tier, like, allying with Russia and Iran. Like, we're not going to do that. <laughs> like, we want to be allies with America. And America's like, well, see, we're, we're seeing Azerbaijan right now. They've perceived that Ameri- that NATO America is not cringe. They they bought the propaganda on that, and they look at Russia yeah. and Iran like I don't want to be associated with them. They're cringe. Like I don't want to yeah. be associated with cringe. Yeah, it's it's like you it's like supported cringe Armenia. You should have listened. You should have literally voices. financially supported cringe. But um, but then it's but it's like I would say America is the cringy one. But America, but again, who's even Armenia is actually literally cringe, and Armenia basically is like America. Like, please, why don't you answer my calls? And America's like, sorry, I was, I was out uh, seeing Azerbaijan. Um, I was, I was hanging out with Azerbaijan, and honestly, we, we don't really need you around. And basically, I've seen it. I've seen it going around, even like, w- like with like the few educated liberals that there are that follow the stuff that they're that they're also well aware of not to trust America. That Kissinger quote about uh, being a friend to. America is deadly. Yeah, it's like, what the are you doing? What are you doing? And they basically made it so that Russia was like, all right, well, I guess if you're going to do joint military exercises with NATO, then like, all right, like, I guess Azerbaijan can just have Nagorno-Karabakh. It's not our problem anymore. Anyway, that's kind of the story there. And and the thing yeah, is... It has nothing to do with Navalny. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with Navalny, but it's an interesting story. And it, it's also the other thing is that... Um, the border between Azerbaijan and Armenia is by no means a settled situation. Yeah, yeah and, Azerbaijan still has an exclave. Uh, there, there's a oh, it's all just look. There's land. like several different yeah. little ones, right? There's little pits of each in the other because of just how things shook out over the years of where various little yeah. people settled, and so they never. So it's it's in dispute, and uh, frankly, Armenia is just going to lose more and more chunks of itself, and more and more Armenians yeah. are going to either have to be integrated into the Azerbaijan territory, or they're going as minorities, or they're going to flee into Armenia. So, uh, but that's just. But eventually, that border is going to be straightened out in favor of Azerbaijan, and it's because they basically made the right moves earlier, and they became like they have no alliances, which is interesting because they're Muslim. But they, again, you know, whatever they they basically made their alliance with the Jews early on. They're not. They've been recipients of. I think. I think they were even going way back. They've been sort of. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's a this, that's they, well. A thing. This is this is an example of the resumption of history that we're mm. seeing because yeah. part of the liberal order is that all, borders are now settled unless we need to break certain aspects, ways so we can make little uh, little gay right. countries. And because like the, doing the whole um, right, right. Winter like, model like of Co- Kosovo and shit like that, right? Yeah. Which again, Kosovo in and going on the principles of Kosovo, like they and this is also why there's this 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 sort of explains something else that I think is difficult for people to understand. 
or not so much difficult maybe but it's it's a weird thing which is like the order of liberalism is yeah the borders are basically settled and countries shouldn't really care that that borders don't necessarily fall along ethnic settlement lines and of course then you have something now theoretically in a just world you could have some kind of settlement between the azeris and the azerbaijanis the between the azerbaijanis yeah, the, the azerbaijanis the and the armenians yes the azeris and the armenians whereby maybe some small population transfers would take place in order to create contiguous state borders with contiguous ethnic populations in them and then that could be an easy thing to do you compensate that's people what greece by and turkey did display yeah just do that possible. right it's you could totally do it and on a small scale and like frankly countries that don't matter like that it's whatever right so, um, but the liberal order doesn't recognize that. So it's like, no, it doesn't matter. Like you can be Armenian and a citizen of Azerbaijan and vice versa. And liberalism allows for all of this. Like citizenship is not based on race or ethnicity, but when it wants to do gay ops, it then yeah. needs to like amplify some ethnic claim, right? Like Kosovo was based on some like ethnic grievance. Well, yep. that doesn't make sense. Like, what are you talking about? Like, why should Kosovo? Like, what, is, what does it mean to be a Kosovo? It's a Serb. In fact, Yugoslavia should be supported. It's universal Slavic country, right? Like, all these different kinds of Slavs under one under one roof. Like, why not? What's wrong well, with that? Liberalism well, should say they, that's they totally the whole Al- Albanian yeah. heard on stuff. By yeah. Well, they leverage all, all the Albanians butters. aren't Slavs. Yeah. Well, they <laughs> leverage all the butters. All the butters. They leverage all the butters. Like, the, all, dude, Amer- they that's what they do. That's what America does. America's like, where's our butt hurt? Like, let's find some and like we'll leverage there are, it. There like, are they're butt hurt leverages tapped all over the world, and we need to leverage those asses. No, America is basically like. As a major, I mean, this is how it's really just Jews. So it's like, yeah, like where are people's butts hurt over some grievance? Let's amplify that and let's do that. So, American Jewish foreign policy of destabilizing enemy countries is just like butt hurt leveraging. I mean, it's all it is, right? I mean, at least that's yeah. one aspect of it, right? That's and, kind of aspect of the Navalny thing. Of like, yeah, but but again, the funny thing about Navalny, the funny thing about Navalny. Is it's not real butthurt. Like, it's fake butthurt. Like, he's not... Like, this is what was so remarkable to me. Because I, I thought, upon looking into it, he would have some kind of factional representation or identity or, or, or history or legacy as a guy who was associated with a certain faction. I assumed it was, like, liberal opposition that had been associated with this and was, like, known in that and, and then had been actually, like, probably, like, actually, like, persecuted by the Russian state, which I don't care about. If Russia wants to crush liberal opposition with an iron boot, like, I don't give a shit about it, right? It's not interest. It's not something I care about. I'm not going to get up in arms about it, given how we are treated here in our own country. It's just not my problem, what another country does to its opposition. Um, and But that none of that's true. I mean, what – and it's almost funny because it's almost like they got some guy who had a history of making all kinds of outlandish statements, racist statements even – yeah. And they sort of turn him into it's, – it's almost like was Navalny – this is the question I had. Like was he ever anything other than like an entertainment product for Westerners? Because he never really made it beyond that 
Like he wasn't popular or even really known in Russia. Like people didn't know who he was. I mean, yeah, honestly, this, I'm going to make a comparison. Of making part of the, part of the American population schizophrenic because you're you're going to like on the more right wing side of things, which is somewhere you know they want they would want to appeal to that. Like they've tried some attempts to try to appeal like, to like a nationalist type sentiment, but I mean, you look at because of what they generated in the anti-Russia atmosphere, like people are going to look at Navalny and say like because he used to collaborate with a na- like an actual Nazval guy, an actual long term member of the National Bolshevik Party. Like he, mm-hmm. so like you can't like you can't rely on those people because like they're they're just going to go with like they're going to slot Navalny into a lot of their other um, specific beliefs on Russia and Russian politics which makes them completely useless in unifying uh any kind of sentiment in America towards like their feelings about Navalny like, he only's going to be slotted for people who watch cable news and just take that as wrote so well the the navalny's old associations like that and some of his like racist statements like they um like actually bit the the navalny gay op in the ass yeah um but yeah, because, uh, you, because you have you have people who are going to be put off by racist statements you're going to have people that are put off by his nazbol connections you're right. going to and then you're going to have people that are like are just going to be put off that he was working with liberals. So it's because he tried, like he, yeah, he was trying to leverage a bunch of different, like he was doing yeah, butter was, leveraging. Like, yeah. Yeah. But there's nobody, there's nobody who could be strongly associated or like have strong feelings to want to associate with Navalny that they can utilize other than like just people who are just perpetually mad at Russia. That's right. all they can rely and, on. And, and I mean, reading some analysts, even some Western analysts on him, um, you know, uh, there was just people that have said, like, well, in Russia, he has a reputation for just trying to manipulate both liberals and nationalists. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. To right. It, to the extent he has a reputation at all. Because, again, I was yeah. going to make a, a, a comparison that might make some people butthurt, might make some people upset. But legitimately, pretending Alexei Navalny was a thing would be like going to Russia. And pretending like Richard Spencer was like a thing. I, I was wondering if that's where you were going to go with it because I had the exact same thought. I was wondering if that was where you were going to go with that because I was like, oh, who else could have leveraged liberalism and nationalism? The, different, like, the hmm. difference is that Russia never wanted to sponsor Spencer even though I believe at one point he was actively auditioning for that role. And I'm not trying to get him in trouble. I'm not trying to do any of that. I'm just And, and like I'm just saying like it seems that a lot of his like spurned like like – like scuffed takes or like, like like punished takes on like on like rush like like black iPads like punished Spencer I'm like mad at Putin <laughs> is just because that never happened. I mean, I, 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 mean I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Make, I'm not going to make accusations, but I mean, I'm not making accusations. The but obvious like, thing to point out is that Richard Richard's ex wife is Russian. Right. Look who's, again. Who's I, this isn't works. even the point of this. I was friends with Richard for a while, and I did a lot of work with yeah. him when I thought. You know, this was like he actually had – again, I thought he had a constituency of like white people that he was leading. And I realized, oh, wait. Actually, I have the constituency. He's using me. <laughs> but, you know, um, but um, but in fact, uh, it was sort of interesting that that that, that whole thing. And, and then, you know, whatever. But, but again, it's not really um, about him so much, but it's sort of like the type of figure that he was. Uh, if say the Russians decided, yeah, well, let's use this guy. He's he seems useful. Let's like fund him. We'll set up some some gay organizations around him, and we'll cause some problems for America, right? And then the Russian media like would be filled with stuff. Richard Spencer on the like they say they reported like Charlottesville, and they're like Richard Spencer on the brink of a revolution. 
Richard Spencer, the leader of like the populist <laughs> dissident movement in America. That is legitimately how I am not joking. That is how absurd it would be. Well, there are people that used to make those accusations. To think those, that those types of accusations hmm. about, about what was what what yeah. Spencer was planning on doing and stuff like there, there were. I mean, like you. Oh, I mean to say that. No, no, but I'm not. Like, I'm not suggesting. I'm not suggesting. There, I'm not. I mean, I've seen that stuff. I'm not talking about the accusations that he was doing that. I'm saying what the Russian – if you were to go to Russia and like get a hotel room and sit down and watch Russian TV and the Russian TV was trying to tell you it, – it doesn't matter what Richard was doing. They were trying to tell you that he was this guy yeah. in America. That's no, no, how I, fucking no. ridiculous what America is doing right now is. Right. Like but that's, that's what I'm like – that's the work. point I'm making, right? I yeah, and, and I'm to be clear, like I'm not. I actually don't even believe that those accusations. I don't. I, I know that they're not true. I'll say this: yeah. I know I it's not true. I saw these types of accusations very early on, many many years ago. People saying like, "This is what he's planning on doing." I was like, eh, yeah. I don't think so." But I saw that stuff. I mean, <laughs> I don't I see know. A lot if, of wild shit out there. To be I don't clear, know right? if he. So, again, it doesn't matter. Like I think I I actually personally don't think he would have been averse to it. I just don't think the Russians were interested. And I can tell you one thing: it never happened. That's for sure. It never actually happened. But like, point being that um, that that's kind of my point, though. Is it like R- Russians uh, seem more about basically messing around with Republicans than any like the, any of well, I think the more again, I put this theory out there, and there are some people who again, who knows what they're doing. But I do see that, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, Russian, Russia also doesn't – they're not going to want to be associated with, like, uh, something like the alt-right or, or, or something like that, right? They're not they, – they themselves won't, won't want to be associated with that. They also probably have a um, judgment of, like, the like intelligence and, like, how likely is something like this to work. And But also they don't just – they don't do that. Like, Russia and China, frankly, are not like America. Like, what America does, and it's because it's what Jews do. In terms of how they do dissident stuff in other countries is a kind of a unique power strategy. The other great powers don't really do that. And and they, they do some of it. They have their soft power strategies and things like that. But it's so much less of a thing than what America's soft power reach. And it's like ridiculous. I mean – uh, Navalny is was entirely just so understand is entirely a soft power operation of America and by proxy um, Jews and of course there were Jews directly involved in it so some of the bigger institutions that were supporting him was something called the Levada Center I don't know if you ever heard of this the L- L- Levada Center is a polling uh, uh, outfit Levada. inside of Russia it's it's a polling group inside Russia and they produce public opinion polls that are, despite the fact that Levada Center itself is supporting Western gay ops and they try and spin the data that they have, they still can't lie enough to make it, like, a thing. But the Levada Center is, um, it's, a po- it's a polling and public opinion research, sociology research center in Russia, started by a guy named Yuri Levada. Today, the... Head the leader of it, the head of it is a guy named Lev Gukov, who was Gukov. a yeah Lev Gukov, who was a professor of sociology at the Jewish University in Moscow. Mm. So I don't know if he's Jewish, but he probably is Jewish. <laughs> and I don't know if Yuri Levada is Jewish. It sounds like a Jewish name, but I don't have any evidence that he is. 
Lev Gudkov, all I can say is that he was a professor of sociology at the Jewish University in Moscow, and now he is the chief researcher for the Levada Institute. The Levada Institute gets grants from National Endowment for Democracy, who has on its board an Applebaum and another guy named Applebaum and a woman named Edelman, uh, who are the top three board members. (laughs) Also, let's be honest, we all know that National Endowment for Democracy is a Jewish group, always has been. There's some buttgoys on its its board. There's some buttgoys on its staff. But we all know NED is a Jewish soft power operation, right? What do they do? Because they they basically collect funds and they distribute them around the world to NGOs engaged in pro-democracy work. That's what they say they do. Let me bring them up for a second. One, one second. Um, I was looking at it, uh, and they give money to the Levada Center, and the Levada Center tried to do polling to, to boost Navalny's public profile in, in Russia. But let me see something. I was looking at the NED for a little bit today. So we had National Endowment for Democracy about who we are, board of directors. Let me see if I can bring this up. I actually didn't prep this. On, I didn't prep my um, uh, oh. So, so while you're while you're doing all that, because I'm, yeah. I'm trying to look some stuff up, I'm I'm getting the uh, what because you know how they always like, like once they get the AP line of how they're going to present things, like every news publication. Oh, there has it is. To huh. Use the same language. Uh, I keep saying Navalny was too brave to be allowed to live. That's fucking retarded. Okay, so if we go down here, board of directors: Jessica Edelman, Stuart Applebaum, and Applebaum. <laughs> Uh, I don't know about the rest of these people, but, like, um, I'm assuming these are, like, State Department people. Yeah, we have ambassador. Yeah, there's all. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what you think. Oh, look at this. Stephen. Oh, here's here's one from McNabb. Stephen Begwin, senior vice president of the Boeing Company. (laughs) That's one from McNabb. Uh, Yeah, it's all those military contractors. Mike Cog. Military industrial um, complex occupied government. I'm going to go ahead and guess this. Alyssa Ayers is also Jewish. Um, I don't know about Liliana Ayaldi. Um, Scott Carpenter. It looks like he's been a long time bug boy. Oh, Joaquin Castro. Literal fucking faggot. Like a beaner faggot. Um, Victor Cha. Is he like a weir? This woman's last name is literally Economy. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth Economy is she dude if that's a Jew that would be like one of the funniest things ever like a Jew whose <laughs> name is Economy Daniel Freed we don't even have to uh, mention it Lomo Treasury yeah right Elizabeth Economy senior fellow at the Hoover Institution there you go. See again, they're all just like look at I mean, we can look at all these people's bios, right? And this is just a who's who of of like Washington like neoconform policy Jewish gay op elites, right? And their butt goy functionaries. Daniel Fried, we don't have to think about that, is a Jew. Rachel Kleinfeld, what do you think, Borzoi? What's your call on that? Uh senior fellow at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace and founding CEO of the Truman National Security Project, Dr. Rachel Kleinfeld. Rachel Kleinfeld. Hmm. That's a tough one. It's a toss-up, right? Uh, Mel Martinez, uh, Dayton Ogden, Minxin Pei. Is this like a gay guy who's trying to do like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, we're gonna do some China stuff. 
Mark Planner. Oh, like look at Ogden. this. Like David, Elise. Like David, like, the, like David Ogden Steers, the guy who does yeah. all the voice work. <laughs> Elise Stefanik. Elise oh. Stefanik. Uh, and yeah, oh, Senator Todd Young, honorary Juan Zarati. Yeah, so this is just like a who's who. This is like, an inter- this is like a rogues gallery of international criminals and, and homosexuals and Jews. Uh, the officers. Um. I'm guessing that Ken Wolak and Peter Roskam are probably Jews. Uh, I don't know about Damon Wilson. I don't know about David Skaggs, Marlene Colucci, and obviously the dude. They literally have the bald black woman here. Look at this lady, Jendai Fraser. You know why she's there? You know why Jendai Fraser is on is is on the National Endowment for Democracy because of her extensive knowledge and experience about international affairs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, what's with these fucking fat, ball-headed near women everywhere? Like, what's with that? Is that, like, some kind of, like, a signal that you're willing to be, like, a, a liberal functionary? Is, like, if you're a black, if you're a fat black woman, you, like, shave your head and put on, like, gaudy yeah, makeup. I mean, you're put, like, I can be... You type in video yeah. games all yeah, the yeah. time now, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like the... Who's that woman on C- CNN that's like that? All of them? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, is it that Simone woman? Is that who you're talking about? Uh, yeah, I don't know whichever one it is, but look at this. Look at this. So here we have Jessica Edelman. I'm guessing Jewish, senior vice president, corporate affairs at Mars. Wow. So they they're they're already Jews are like already colonizing Mars. Well, now we know the one million people that uh, Musk wants to put on Mars by the end of the uh, yeah. by the end of the decade. There you go. Jessica Edelman is vice president for corporate affairs and global communications at Mars. So wow, these Jews they already have like a base on Mars. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. To be honest. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, like I, really I actually don't know what Ma- Mars is actually. What is Mars? Like, what the fuck is Mars? It's pro- anyway. Probably the candy company. I'm guessing. Really? You think so? Oh yeah, she's also vice president of corporate affairs at Kroger. Um, and she, yes, no, it absolutely is. Uh, private, and where she served, she served as president of Kroger Foundation. Um. And she innovated public zero hunger, zero waste. So, so she was part of something called zero hunger. Yeah, by giving everybody candy. You know what's funny about that is that Jews have always been candy into the candy business. Well, Zucker, yeah, yeah. I said Zucker. You know, means sugar in German, right? So it's like um, the Zucker is a very Jewish name, and like they've always they've always sold candy. So even here we have Jessica Edelman is selling candy. Yeah, Zuckerberg, Sugar Castle, or sugar, I know, like, yeah, Berg, like Sugar Hill, like uh, literally like, yeah. Sugar Hill Gang, yeah. Zuckerberg yeah, Gang, right? Yeah, like Berg, like is it like Berg's like, it's like Berg, a, ca- what like is a Berg? hilltop castle town, isn't that? Like, I like, don't know. Berg, it's, it depends. Also, like I think it means, um, you know, because a lot of people were saying when they found out, when I, when my docs was found, my grandmother on my father's side, her maiden name is Garberg. <laughs> Now, in Norwegian, this basically means Garden Hill <laughs> or something like that, right? Yeah. But it's a common name, right? And, and also, you know, Ingmar Bergman, Swedish director, not Jewish. Yeah. Um, so it's not like those type of names are definitely Jewish. They're just probably Jewish when you see them in, like, America. And also if you see them in Russia, because um, I want to know something funny. Like, one of Navalny's things, because this is the funny thing. 
in a way, this is this this is sort of something I wanted to talk about. But real quick, before we get further into this, because we're about a half hour in, if you are listening to the free hour of this, go to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall, get a subscription, because we're going to take a break in a half hour here, and then we're going to continue the conversation for another hour or two after that. So if you want to hear the rest of that, um, you want to get a paywall subscription. Also, you can get a subscription with a credit card. We've managed to finagle that back somehow, so we're not going to go into that. But you can get a subscription with a credit card right now, so if you want to go in and get that, do that. Uh, and then you can have a legit subscription if you're listening to the paywall or if you're pirating the show. So anyway, um, I mean, if you're listening to the free hour and you want to subscribe or if you're pirating the show and you actually want to support us, then um, go ahead to the right slash paywall and support us. Anyway, yeah, it's a lot easier now with credit cards. Yes, it's very easy. And also make sure the show keeps going. Make sure we can so keep doing this. Support again, cringe voices. Lift up cringe Financially voices, support cringe. cringe. You want to financially support cringe. I know that you do. And I, I also <laughs> actually know that, frankly, like no matter where else you're going to go for news and commentary, even stuff that's racist, even stuff that might be a little bit anti-Semitic, none of it's going to be as deeply satisfying as what we say. Because... We get down right down there into the meat, to the heart of the issue, and, and and really dig down in those cracks and crevices, and explore, and really root around and get down deep into the dirty underside of the issues here. Yeah, we're the crystal blue of the methno state, right? No, but in reality, it is true. I mean, we've been made fun of for saying this before, but it's true. Like you don't get the kind of analysis that we do anywhere else. You don't. Like no one else really talks about the stuff in the way that we do. I mean, other people are racist and anti-Semitic. I'm not claiming ownership of that but in terms of the depth of knowledge of the topics and things like that that we have here it's really the best stuff i can't listen to anything else frankly because nothing else hits right um but anyway uh so on the navalny thing what they kind of made him out to be what's sort of interesting because he as you said he was playing some stuff to liberals he was playing some stuff to some of the nationalists and even racist elements like some of the things that he got in trouble for was comments he made about like tajiks and even Georgians. And apparently in 2008, he like supported Russia's invasion of Georgia. And he was calling yeah. Georgians like cockroaches and shit like that. He and, was, he, on the Chechen thing as well, like he because yeah. like the, the Putin administration took, you know, like the, with the whole like, let's collaborate with the with, with the counter offs. Yeah. And like they can manage the situation better. We, we want like Navalny. Smart, like, in other words, a smart crush, move. Crushed. Yeah, like no, these 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 like these Muslim like these Muslims need to be crushed. He was like like that type of guy. And then he turned around like, and tried to also be like a liberal. It's just like shut the fuck up, dude. And um, I mean, Russia, that kind of stuff is kind of cringy. Like in Russia, that's considered cringe. Like what he was saying. Yeah. Although there is like there are there is like a racist element in Russia. Like he was definitely like he wasn't doing it for no reason. Like he was trying to out as outflank Putin on the right. And frankly, this is something that might cause confusion amongst like right wingers in America who are like, but this guy was being racist and calling out Muslims and stuff. It's like, yeah, but see that's because again, in order to because Russia has an inter, it does have a multi ethnic empire. Although generally speaking, the various ethnic groups are located in their constituent republics or federation or republics within the federation. Now, there is an issue. Some in Moscow have complained about it, where there are guest workers from like the central the Central Asian republics 
are brought in to be guest workers. That's an issue. It causes some tension. There's big, they say like, oh, there's four mosques in Moscow. That's why they call it Moscow, right? Like, you know, and it's like, eh, four? How many are well, in the, New York well, City? The issue, like, you know? the, the issue with that is that there's more Muslim, because like, I've gotten to discussions with people on this thing before. Uh, the number, the number of Muslims in Moscow, like they need more mosques essentially, but like the, the government puts a hard limit on the number of mosques that can be built in Moscow. So, so they like may have like room. mega mosques. Yeah. So there's been a lot of tension on, on this over the decades over like uh, the the Muslims that live in Moscow needing more needing more spaces. And so then because I, I I've I've tried to look into this because like I. You know there are there are Putin and Russia critical people in our sphere, people who are coming at it genuinely and bring up these, which I think are legitimate concerns. But the, the problem I've always found is it's hard to find good, reliable data. It's also like a lot. The, there's misinformation yeah. on that. Yeah, shit. There's, like, it's they, hard there's to people that say the like inflammatory comments <clears throat> that he makes. So it's hard to know. Well, there's people that what, say that Moscow you know. is like the most Muslim city in like the world, and I'm like, I've heard people say that, and I'm just like, yeah. I just don't. I just think you're lying. When you tell me that, I'm I'm just like you're lying to me. Like you're why can't you're not telling the truth? And that's not whatever your cause is, which I'm pretty sure I know what it is. Um, like you're lying. Um, but it also kind of goes to show how like because the of the way Russia is organized, like the way that you leverage internal dissent against the Russian Empire is to is to try and whip up like an, some anti liberal feelings, right? Yeah, and so this is something that causes some dissonance, I guess, amongst the community of of people, like in our spheres. But I would say, like, look, I, I mean, it's going to sound harsh, but on the level that these people are playing at, like, what we think doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't come into the considerations, unless They're, maybe like they want to. Unless maybe, frankly, the way it comes into the consideration, and this is for sure true. Is that they saw us as a good grounds to recruit warm bodies to go fight to you, for Ukraine, which was done. Yeah, and has been the, done. This, and has, this, people have lost their lives. People out. have lost you their could, lives to yeah. Zog for that. So, yeah. Pro-Ukrainian people tried to basically leverage like the finding Western nationalists that would be willing to take a side in the Ukraine-Russia conflict, whereas Russia seems to be like stay, – stays more away – from that, they're they're more involved in in pre- and like online and perhaps on, online intelligence operations to whatever extent I don't know actually know, but they're no they don't do they didn't do the type of recruiting that the Ukrainian element had done. So and it's, I, a lot of it is because they're extremely because Russia is extremely gun shy about wanting to enable these elements because it's always used to try and topple them internally by like like they're because of the soviet union's history and russia's recent history the reason why the putin, they, the putin government tends to be and they crack down a lot of the stuff is because they want to maintain internal stability like they're very nervous about uh, basically and as they uh, say trying, like it's always uh, yeah. been used as gaps against them and not only that but like let's look at something else Islam, and that anyways, my point is trying to make is like this is why like Putin doesn't make appeals to people who are like in Telegram chats and, and stuff like that. They don't they don't want to follow the Ukraine model on this. No, they don't. They also just don't give a shit. Like, um, but uh, another thing is now there was one guy who was sort of doing that was Prigozhin. He was kind of doing that kind of shit. But like, um, yeah. look what happens when you follow, when you when you're in Telegram chats. Look what happens to you. Well, he's a Jew, also, right? Like yeah. he was a Jew, and look what he tried to do, and and frankly, he was killed for it. And fine, I'm fine with that. 
But um, how many people have Telegram chats killed? I have to wonder. Good amount. Good yeah. amount. But like, let's look at something pre pre the Ukraine thing, which was the Chechen thing, right? And that was another thing where essentially what, what could be called um, like reactionary elements were whipped up by America. Elements that are not at all in con, in conjunction with like American the actual American liberal philosophy by which America like bestrides the world by which like the Jews bestride the world with liberalism. Well, when going against Russia, which is sort of a, a, a softer kind of conservative, actually kind of liberal country, um, you know, they do the uh, the radical Islam they were using, too. And they were recruiting these radical, crazy Islamic forces to go yeah. to fuck up Chechnya. And the Chechens were torn. Chechen Muslim nationalists were torn because they were like, well, these guys are hardcore Muslims. And then but then after some conflict. They're like, all right, fuck it. We're going with Russia because these people are legitimately destroying us. Like the the fucking Al Qaeda and ISIS and whatever well, Putin, other types. Putin, figured, Putin and his associates figured out how to navigate that situation basically because what they realized is that the people who were coming in these these extremists were uh were the, were these outside Sunni forces and the the Islam that's practiced in Chechnya is a yeah, Sufi is a, is a Sufi form. It's a but it's a very culturally but also, different form. Of, this of isn't Islam. the first time they've seen this. Yeah. They saw it in Afghanistan too. Yeah, like they saw in the eighties. It was the same shit using Mujahideen or people calling themselves Mujahideen, who are actually I would say fucking heretics and apostates because they're not actually fighting for islam they're fighting for like jewish political goals as isis and all such groups do and in fact what's great is when you look at these muslim accounts on telegram they fucking hate that shit they hate yeah. that shit because they're like that's jewish saudi america stuff that's like the jew saudi america axis of evil shit right like that's what that is like all that crap and that's not real islam and it's all fighting on jewish on behalf of jews like they've figured this out now and that was what was fighting in Chechnya too to take out like the to, to get rid of the Russian influence and like of course then the Chechens I think though actually represent and I've talked about this before in terms of an ethnic group within Russia with its own national racial and religious identity the best deal you could have gotten what the Kadyrovs yeah. did was the best they could have done it's a tiny little country. They've managed to keep their tiny little country. They've managed to keep their identity, keep their religion, and keep their little state, keep their little republic, and keep their power in their little republic. And uh, they did so by sheltering under the wing of, like, the Russian bear. So they're sheltering under the wing of the bear, and that's why they are able to keep that. And, like, I would say, hey, Ukraine, (laughs) are you taking notes? You know, but like again, they're not, and um, that's that's a that 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 would have been my advice to them. Would have been like, well, look, you could probably keep a lot of your Ukrainian national identity if you if you if you play, play ball with Russia more. Uh, and in the end, like you would be easier to keep out like gay Western influence by being in alliance with Russia and keeping a Ukrainian national identity that is in fact right wing nationalist. They'd probably let you get away with some of the Nazi shit. They probably would let you get away with it. You, they'd say there's a pretense that they wouldn't, but they probably fucking would. 
Well, this this is unfortunately was always going to be an issue. You can actually read so like one of my favorite things to follow is like propaganda, like is the propaganda posters channel and look at old propaganda posters and uh, Soviet Union. Oh in yes, 1970s I've talked about this. Would always would always like the two forces, the two quote unquote you know nationalist forces that are threatening to you know hurt the Soviet, undo the Soviet Union that they always pointed to were Ukrainian nationalists and Zionists. Well, they would show cartoons. Of a curly locked, hook nosed Zionist Jew with a Star of David leading by the hand like a dumb Ukrainian peasant in like Cossack clothing with swastikas on it. With yellow and blue Cossack yep. gear with swastikas on it as like the Jew like leads him like like hand rubbing away, you know? And it's like, I, yeah, well, I've well, seen one of a Ukrainian. It's been like that for a Nazi while. <laughs> and, a, and a Zionist bo- both pulling like a cart together with like, like uh, malevolent looks on their faces. Like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, that's propaganda is out there from the 70s. You can find it. I've shared it. I've seen it. I've shared it. That's and, and yeah. And remember, this was the 70s. This was when the Jews had essentially they were moving away from communism as a strategy, which I believe that probably started for them with 56 yeah. in Hungary. And a lot of them were going uh, to 68 Israel in Czech. Soviet, yeah, yes. He was probably concerned that a lot of those people that were fleeing were, ta- well, were going to be taking state secrets. As we have them. often said, the, sh- the, the decisive shift where I think the Jewish establishment generally made a – a, as much of a sort of a final decision as they can make on these issues was the 1967 war where they were like, okay, it's liberalism and Zionism. We're going to roll up communism. And then it took them, what, how long did it take them after that? It took them 24, 25 years to roll it up. It took yeah. them from 67 to 91 to roll up communism. So that's, yeah, about 20, 25 years or so. And they rolled it up. And and but, in the course well, the, of that, and then the Yom Kippur War also exacerbated that because by yeah, that point, because the, because the at Arab that point were fully supported by <clears throat> yeah by the Soviet they, it wasn't even just like a theoretical thing like communism isn't working for us it's like well the adversaries of Zionism because it is so strongly associated with liberalism and the West and the Cold War, that particular side of the Cold War um, so really you know people like it's it's kind of wrong. This is not a defense of communism, but it's because it, it is also communism just doesn't matter anymore. It's not a relevant. It's not a relevant thing because there's no real actual. There's no communist bloc anymore, and there might be some instant, some isolated cases of countries that are calling themselves that. But like Venezuela might be doing that. But again, it's not. They're also doing a lot of other <clears throat> types of economic things. But there's no block of communism anymore, right? And it really is wrong to consider. The communist bloc post, I would say, post-67, post-68, and this is also, it's like, so you have 67, Jews decisively decide on liberalism and communism, then you have the 68 revolution, cultural revolutions in America and France and Europe, which essentially are moving the left away from the old school common turn pro-Russia, pro-Soviet left to like the new left which is interested in gender and race and all of that stuff right like that was the shift that started then you have things like Prague Spring in 1968 and the uh, left in Europe and America was generally speaking other than like tankies I mean this is where they got their name they're sort of like they they are considered like declasse they're considered like losers they're like revanchist Stalinist elements right they just continue to support Russia very goyish movement actually very few Jews involved in that you don't see many Jews in tanky circles in fact you don't see them at all 
Jews were like, no, no, we're going to do like the David Cohn Bendit, who was like the leader of one of the 68 revolutionary groups in France, and I think is still like in the Green Party in France, who's like a fucking child, fucking, oh yeah, fucking pedophile. Right? Or no, Dan, David or Daniel? Daniel, Yeah, Daniel Cohn, I think Daniel Cohn Bendit, right? Who was a, he was a guy in, he was a French leader of the 68ers, who's a fucking pedophile. Or at least he an advocate he for child Germany, sex. Yeah, yeah I, I think he fled to Germany. Anyway, whatever. I, you, we've talked about Daniel Cohn Bennett before, but I mean, we're getting like a field, a far field here. Um, but this is sort of the point about the general, it's important to understand this history, right? Weirdly, when I search Daniel Cohn Bendit, I see like, whoa, guess, guess what he's a huge supporter of? The Ukraine war. Wow. How did you guess? (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. It's almost like, you know, what's going on. Again, see, this is the importance of understanding things in the right way, which is I understand it can get confusing to to sort of sort all this out. But once you do, like, you can easily see exactly how these things work. And frankly, let's be honest, it's not even all that hard to work it out. <laughs> like, you just have to be willing to 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 say, like, oh, if a guy is saying, like, racist shit in another country, that doesn't make him like a good person. <laughs> like, they could be part of this entirely possibly part of a gay op. But or or just is shitty. It just sucks. Like he just might suck. But um, what's sort of funny is uh, the Russians kind of got a, people ask like, well, why do the Russians do this like signaling about like Nazis and racism? It's like, well, they kind of got a proof of concept because Navalny uh, had said a bunch of stuff about Tajiks and Uzbeks and and Georgians and other things like that. And uh, he even had a video where he was like dressed as a dentist. And saying, like, these people are, like, these people are cavities. We need, like, Russia needs a root canal or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, like the cavity creeps. Yeah, something like that. Like, oh, these, 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 yeah, tooth decay. The only solution is to pull the tooth or something, something like that, right? We About, make holes in Russia. Right. Some, something dumb like that, right? And, and, um, so in 2020 or 2021, the was supposed to speak at, like, Georgetown at some, like, democracy thing, right? But the Russians put out, like, through various soft power media outlets, they do have some of them, like Russia Today, and they've got some other shills, and they've had some some various ways that they can get stuff into the media in America or just get things noticed on social media and such, that uh, it, was, it was put out by, like, Russian sympathetic journalists, uh, this old video of Navalny making all these racist statements, and of course... What are the libtards at Georgetown? Well, they signed a petition, and they got his speaking engagement at Georgetown shut down. And there was another thing where basically uh, Navalny – like I don't actually – now, there's multiple stories. The West says without question this dude was like poisoned in like 2020 with some like fucking agent, and then he went to Germany. Yeah, with underwear. Like they they poisoned underwear. Yeah, it, it's probably bullshit, right? Like it's, it, I'm, I'm seriously, it's probably like didn't happen. Well, what's right? funny is like when you read up when you read the, about that and his like recovery, they, the way that they talk about his recovery, it's like it's, it was miraculous. Like nobody's ever recovered. Like it, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably bullshit. Navalny is. 
It's yeah, which that's fucking stupid. Like uh, when I, if I hear something like that, that is like retarded. Like if somebody, I was willing to believe he might have been like you know there were poison attempts, but when you when you frame it like that, then I'm just I just don't believe that you sounds anymore. dumb. And and they made there was like a fucking uh, like there was like a fucking award winning Netflix documentary they did about this. Yeah. Like they made, it's called Navalny, and I think it was on Netflix, and it's like a documentary. I bet, well, about I'm this. guaranteed it's trending right now. It's probably like at the top of their. Uh, yeah, I kind of almost, Netflix, I kind of almost you. like want to watch it because I'll bet you it's fucking like really stupid. Because the Navalny thing is dumb. Like it's actually stupid. The kind of politics he did are, is just stupid. Like he didn't actually even do, despite these statements that he made about like race stuff and immigration and supporting Russia and Georgia and being like a Russian chauvinist. Right, despite that. When he, whatever he did to start doing, like, gay ops on behalf of, like, Western intelligence agencies, he stopped doing anything interesting. And he started doing, like, Putin has a lot of money and is corrupt. This is what it was. I'm He's, like, an anti-corruption crusader. And he put out this very much recycled, continuously recycled story about some Black Sea villa... That supposedly Putin was supposedly belonged to Putin and cost like here's how you also know it's fucking retarded. They cost like a billion dollars. I mean, like, okay, I get that like the word when you when you talk about government budgets and, and state budgets of a billion dollars, it's like okay, we're you know, the numbers like that Erdogan's are thrown around. Opponents the time. did the same But did, talking did about like one house. Yeah, that's that's what that <laughs> funny thing is the Turks uh the Turkish opposition <laughs> does the exact same thing they it's talk about fucking, Erdogan's it's, house it's dumb no one has a billion dollar house like that's really stupid maybe, and in maybe, fact maybe Putin does no he doesn't he doesn't <laughs> and this this particular guess what though because here's the thing this Black Sea Villa when you make claims like that people will investigate them and frankly a, a huge mansion on the Black Sea some like luxury, big luxury villa. It's like people can figure out who that belongs to and like the history of it, right? And they get to put it out there. And guess what? It actually belonged to somebody named Rottenberg. <laughs> and it was actually only about $20 million in terms of its worth. So this is quite a different. Again, this is some this is well far beyond anything you or I or any of our audience could imagine, right? $20 million house. But like that's still quite a nice house. That's still the kind of house that like the elites live in those kinds of things, but it's nothing that 20 billion. That's not even, I mean, 20 million is nothing compared like a billion is it's like way is a lot less. My point. So it's, it's absurd to, to make such a claim. Yeah. He, but the uh, guy who, who started the claim on this, Sergei Kolosnikov, uh, who's in self-imposed exile? Outside yes, Russia yes, now, yes. And, he, and Navalny like picked it up, and he made like viral social media videos in 2011 about this. And this is sort of how he broke into the consciousness. It's funny because Russia shills call him like a blogger, whereas like if you listen to, which is hilarious, when you call people a blogger, it's it's always a fucking shot. It's always you're always just like taking shots at them, and it's a funny way to like degrade them. Like, we used to always call like Luke O'Brien, like oh yeah, Antifa blogger Luke O'Brien. Drive him fucking nuts. It would make him so mad. He's like, so I got an article in Time Magazine. It's just a blog, though, really, at this point. Like, okay, so it's so a Times Magazine. Time, or, Time uh, Magazine's blog section? Yeah, they printed a, printed a blog. Okay. Yeah, I mean, frankly, Time Magazine's always been kind of like a blog. Yeah. And no, yeah, no one reads it. 
you know so it's the, it's the oaks family blog <laughs> <laughs> and um so so it's sort of like he was basically a blogger like navalny's like a blogger and i, I think that's like that's just fucking hilarious calling calling people a blogger. <laughs> that's really funny um, but so he is. Yeah, tell him like, uh, yeah, I'll read your blog spot later. Go, right, go go. In, yeah, Navalny.blogspot.ru. Okay, guy. Oh, what again? You tell me the story. Tell me the story about the mansion again, you know, asshole. You know what? You could actually probably say like that. Like, Navalny is uh, was a live journaler because he probably used live journal at some point. Live that's journal, what. Like, yeah, that's when he was saying like nigger. Like that's when he was saying racist stuff like on live journal because that's when you could do it. <laughs> Yeah, like for, for once we move beyond live journal, they started censoring things. Yeah, for the Zoomers out there, I mean, uh, back before there was all these other social media networks, there used to be live journal where people posted their shitty poetry. It was before the word blog even came, before yeah. they even invented. So it. live journal like, was a, was a was a thing that a lot of people in, in my generation had, and dude, then at some point the company got bought by Russia. It became huge in Russia. Live journal was huge in Russia for the longest time. Hmm. So Navalny probably used live journals. I'm sure he did. I'd be interested to find his old live journals. Probably really racist. But um, so it's it's sort of like uh, you know. But again, once he became kind of like at some point, there must have been some thing where he was going to be a a gay op person because he's he the stuff that he was doing was it was stuff like that. It was like Putin has mansion. Putin have big house. First of all, Putin probably has a mansion. Okay, somewhere. He probably has some redoubt on the Black Sea where he goes to retire and hang out, right? And he's probably somewhat corrupt. He probably does some shady deals for personal money and stuff. Like, a lot of Russians do that, right? In fact, Russia was sort of notorious for corruption. But again, I think what they were trying to play off was probably some sensitivity amongst the Russian population to the idea that they were not ruled democratically, but they were ruled by a bunch of elite oligarchical business interests and that probably has something to do with the collapse of the soviet union how jews basically did a fire sale on all soviet assets and gave themselves these massive monopolistic industrial concerns and became like the russian oligarchs right who were really jews that just own massive parts of russian industry um and and i think that playing on the the public the russian public not liking that by by sort of associating Putin with like corruption was the, the kind of thing they were trying to do, but it's also very convenient because you can then pose this to the West, right? You can present Navalny to an American audience, and it's a completely anodyne political critique, right? Like you don't actually—that's why I was saying like Navalny's politics are fake; they're dumb. Like when it's like anti-corruption, Putin. Oh, you found it nice. Putin be having money, <laughs> right? It's like yeah. There's, a, there's a, I've had a post from 2013 talking about Katarovs and golden plated guns. Oh, really? This might be yeah. interesting. Let's uh, let's yeah. Like, like I'm, I'm just skimming his uh, his live journal. A lot of it's just a like it's corruption a logging, right? Which is like okay. Again, again, I get. I guess like you could say there might be something to do there about like trying to play off Russian anger about living in like a brutally corrupt state like what Russia was in the 90s right but again remember that corruption was due to Jews and I'm not saying Russia's not corrupt now but the power of those Jewish oligarchs has been significantly checked in fact we haven't heard shit from them in like two years there was a lot of and who was it 
that America was trying to gin up some kind of idea of a palace coup. Like, America actually, and this is another thing where it's like, you wonder, like, why does America do dumb shit? Like, the shit where, like, it's not even just my ideological predisposition. It's like, I just, I just don't think that like shit like that matters very much. Like it's like I have my ideology, I have my my worldview, but I, I see some stuff America does. I'm like, yeah, that's gonna fucking fail, or that's fake, or that's obviously bullshit. And like, you're obviously like lying to yourselves. Like I'm not, you know, I don't know. It's 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 very strange. Like, did you think that that would that Navalny's just being only about corruption? And not being about something like kind of more tangible politically, because on some level politics is corrupt, and and you kind of accept that, and then you're like, okay, but what are the real issues we're talking about? Are you really talking about an issue of immigration or foreign policy or like the stance towards NATO or the stance to you know what I mean? Um, but he's like corruption. But what that also does for Jews that presents to a Western audience who they want to make this guy into a hero for. A really anodyne political critique, right? You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a really, it's not anything. Oh, that guy's against Putin. Well, why? Well, because Putin is like corrupt. Yeah, right? I'm, it's, I'm it's a weird, it's not like because Putin is, because I think, I think a lot of what Liptards want to hear when Navalny goes to speak to like a Western, they want to hear Navalny like saying Putin's a racist, right? Like that's or what they the, want, or, or a dictator, yeah, a dictator. Uh, not like he's taking money. You know, it's like it's very, it's very pleb almost, right? It's it's weird. That's why. So it's, you shouldn't laugh at the famous photo of Ramzan Kadyrov with the golden handgun. I think he. I think this is like this, the translations were fed through like an automatic translation. Also, this is like, like kind English of funny. Really like this is like this. This image here is like really actually pretty funny. Hold on, let me make this bigger. Yeah, the image, the uh, yeah, like, the image of like the grug. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the, the, the image came this? up in. Uh, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know what what his avatar image is. Like, I don't get it. I don't know, but it's funny. It's like the kind of sh- it's like it's like internet humor shit, right? It's like yeah. <laughs> special forces troops, the Russian Federation have arrived, are armed with the same sort of thing. It's just well, the brilliance of gold weapons. Live journal, like I'm just reminded of basically people who follow MSNBC constantly watching like Trump trial stuff or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Facebook boomers complaining yeah. about Biden corruption. Like it, it's the exact same tenor that I'm seeing in all of this. Yeah, it's it's like non. It's like it's like dumb. It's like stupid it's like that's sort of it's almost like did he do this because he started working with jews and he by the way he also was he's not jewish okay he was working with jews like his he had like jewish managers and agents and shit like that and the people that would speak on his behalf were always jewish and things like that but again he also has like dumb nicknames for various people and stuff yeah like it's like this is written by like a shitty like some shitty, like libtarded, like yellow journalist who like a logs like a local political guy that know you know on something. It's like it's like New York Newsday, right? Like, uh, like there was this New York Newsday columnist who for years would just a log like the city government and various governments on Long Island. It was a Long Island paper for like, and they'd have like stupid nicknames for the various politicians. It's just no one cares. Like people read it, but just. So this is hard to kind of parse out a little bit because this is obviously fed through some kind of automatic translator. But this I found actually kind of interesting. This is another post from 2013 
to voters of Sobayan and in Kadarov. I have been following the development events to do with voting for a mosque so in the Pittman? heart of Russia Wait, with uh, great interest. This voters of Sobaya Pittman? Sorry. <laughs> he, well, he's doing like voter fraud. He's doing like uh, – He's doing voter, voter fraud, fraud stuff, yeah. Type, type stuff. Like uh, this is – but uh, kind of stuff that you hear about like, you know, they're importing Mexicans to, you know, vote for Democrat type stuff because he's talking about uh, basically Kadarov. Like it has to do with a mo- – like voting for a mosque to be the heart of Russia with great – Interest basically, Kadarov is like leveraging um, a bunch like his Chechen supporters, I guess, to like rig some kind of vote on on what the heart of Russia is. Basically, it, it, I guess the way that if I'm reading the story correctly, because the English is just so bad. Yeah, it's very, I can't understand. And it's making it. references I don't quite get. I think it's like one of those like imagine like you, Fox dude, News if you didn't ranting understand. about like like um that like the Dearborn Mosque that which is the yeah, largest yeah. mosque in the United States being like considered like the most beautiful building in the United States. It's like it's this type of stuff that I'm seeing. Well, let me read this, okay? Like again, also people that are watching the video, you can see it on the screen. If you want to pause the video, you can see the text. It's to voters of Sobayan and Katerov, I have been following the development of events to do with voting for a mosque to be the heart of Russia with great interest. This has astonishingly become the reason for the deliberately forced transfer of mobile subscriptions in the Chechen Republic to Vena Telecom. Timeline is roughly as follows. Another fool's contest was announced. For the symbol of Russia, votes are made are, are made by paid SMS messages, simply another way for a few scam artists to make a little money. This time it is society in Russian territory working with the scam artists predetermined by Putin. All regional despots began to do their utmost, while the oligarchs had already done so in order to win this context. Of course, our richest governor is Katerov, the leader of subsidized Chechnya. He boldly uses 55 million rubles stolen from taxpayers for these SMS messages and sends a few million of them. The Chechen mosque takes the lead in the voting. Uh, but then there are others wanting to gain glory and an upsurge in votes ensue. Technology is not very... He's talking about online polling. Yes. I, this I, is I like fucking so dumb, dude. It, <laughs> there was... there. Uh, 2013, Russia hosted the Russia 10 competition designed by a popular vote to decide where the 10 greatest visual symbols of Russia. And the mosque initially took second place at the end of the second round of competition, which led to uh, this, like he was leveraging this type of stuff. Like this, like it's, Dude, it's, this it's is, funny to look at it. in 2013. This is like Facebook outrage type stuff. Yeah. This is like, and it, it's, and he's mad because he's saying like, Oh, look at that. They're working with the doubt. It's like, it, it's so, I don't know. There's something about it that just seems so like apolitical. You know what I mean? Like it seems, uh, or, or well, maybe right politics is just weird to see it. It's weird seeing it uh, like on the other being on the other side, like of it being another country. Dude, like, I, I think there's like yeah. now Navalny never really took off. But I think I think there's like rightoid politics. Like there's Russian like rightoids. Oh, like, there's, there, yeah. uh, there's Russian like Russia, boom, there's Russian. I, I, Russia dude, you know Russia ha- Russia has fucking boomers, dude. Users yeah, yes, dude. They have like boomers. Like there are like you want to see boomer posting. Like I have a feeling like boomer posting in Russia is fucking huge. They probably fucking love Putin too. But anyway, we're going to um, – I've often made the comparison that Americans and Russians are very – like have a lot of similarities as a people and that's not always a positive comparison that I make. Uh, I've I've noticed like a lot of like yeah. – a lot of these psychological tendencies you see in Americans are also precedent Russians. Yeah, could be. Could be. Anyway, we're going to take a break um, and we're going to come back to the show in a second. For those of you listening to the full show, 
you're not going to notice because we're going to come right back immediately. But those of you listening to the uh, free hour or those of you pirating the show, go ahead to the rightstuff.biz slash paywall and get a subscription. Uh, it's very easy now because we, we can actually take credit cards. Um, so we will be back in a moment. We're going to continue talking about this and more. See ya. 